0: As Christians age, Karen, I believe their prayer lives should mature and be stronger.
1: And why do you think that should happen?
0: Well, older age means that you usually have more free time, but also more reflection on what really is important in terms of one's life.
1: But is that really what happens, or is it what we think should happen? I don't know. Let's talk about it.
0: Welcome to the Before We Go podcast, Featuring Dr. David Maines and his wife, noted author Karen Maines. Here's David and Karen Maines. For a series of weeks, we have been more or less circling around topics related to the matter of aging.
1: And if these podcasts have helped others, we really don't know. (laughs) But they have certainly helped us. These discussions have been very thoughtful. We've been serious about saying what is happening in the old age process with us. So, David, I'd like to ask you, what's an area where you say your praying has improved as you've aged?
0: I would say that my praying is less hurried. It's more intimate than it used to be, less biblical words. You know, I I look back on my life, and a lot of times it was, Lord, let's get through this quickly because i got a broadcast to record. (laughs) And they're waiting for me at the studio and uh-huh. so on. Maybe that's an overstatement, but I felt that well, way. Well, with the daily my,
1: broadcast and mm-hmm. then we had a daily television show, it would be natural for you to feel that way. I mean, th- those mm-hmm. were extraordinary deadline pressures that we lived with.
0: I find myself speaking more intimately to the Lord, mm-hmm. not using the theological words. I, I would say in the area of worship, attributing words to God. I remember saying, okay, what do I know about God? And then from the theological books, you'd get God is omniscient. Mm-hmm. God is omnipresent, you know, God is sovereign, and you use those words.
1: Well, you're a trained theologian, too. I mean, that's natural. And frankly, that's not a bad Prayer technique is to take those theological words into pray and not worship a bad God for them. But
0: I'm beyond that now, okay. and it is more intimate in mm-hmm. a sense. And sometimes I will do my praise, and I don't use the word praise as much. I say, This is what I really like about you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm saying things that are not from the books as much. I, I would say, especially as I've been reading through the Gospels. Jesus, it's amazing to me how courageous you are. Uh, But courageous is not something that you get in the theology books. Mm -hmm. I'm finding myself moving more in that direction where I'm saying it's a personal one-on-one, much Mm -hmm. more so than how do I get my mind around these things. So are you, I'm going to reverse, are you (laughs) learning anything as you get older? Are you any better at praying than you used to be?
1: I've had seasons in my life when I was more fervent in my prayers, perhaps. But one of the things I'm noticing about the aging process in my life in prayer is I'm much more content to pray the what I call the long prayers.
0: Long prayers in terms of the, how long oh, you're it, praying? N-
1: not that so much as the ones you pray for decades. The same prayer that you pray for mm-hmm. decades. And I'm much more content to be obedient just to pray those prayers and not to have to see... Answers to my prayers. In fact, I think I probably may never see answers to some of them. However, there was one. You're going to give an example. Yeah. Ahead. So for years, I divided my week up, and Monday would be praying prayers for the family. That would be the concentration, and and then Tuesdays, I prayed for decades that the voice of Christian artists would rise up in their field, whatever their media was, whether it was music or film. We have a son who has a, his degree in film. So that's a constant conversation in our family or literature is my area of interest. And I, I was just reading a book by a young author. He's in his 40s, whose work I hadn't read before. In fact, I haven't been reading much fiction at all. I've been doing a lot of a research. Christian author? Yeah, is a Christian. Well, he's Christian. And there's a little distinguishing point I'd like to make about that. But he's Christian and he's written fiction. So I started to read his books. They've been best-selling books. He's also published outside of the religious publishing marketplace. So, you know, the standard houses that publish fiction have published a lot of his things. But in the first couple books I read, he had beautifully integrated spiritual meaning. It worked naturally with his characters and the dialogues that they were having and the dilemmas that they were having in their life. Now, one of the gripes that people who are Literate or literary have about Christian writing or spiritual writing. It's often loaded into what we call message books. That's the reason the book exists is to get this a message across and then everyone gets saved. I mean, I know one very well known and loved writer. She started to write fiction and everyone in her book became a Christian at the end of the book. I mean, it was a nice little result, but it felt very forced. So it's almost
0: what would you say propaganda? yeah, a-
1: I don't think hers was propaganda, but I do believe that much of what I read where there has been an attempt to have a Christian meaning is propaganda. It's you know selling is that
0: overstated
1: No, it's not. they're selling the gospel, selling Christ in whatever way they can in that literary formula. not
0: in a meaningful way or it's
1: almost offensive. You know, because it violates what would be good literature. Okay. So for years I prayed that the Lord would raise uh, true Christian artists who have come to faith, not since early childhood, but outside of it, young adult, adult lives, and then begin to use their artistry to integrate and express that faith in ways that truly fit the literary formula.
0: Okay, and you could say the same thing as far as praying in terms of, say, the the world of theater or the world of films.
1: So (laughs) Charles Martin is one... uh, young writer who is a novelist, or I've been reading his novels, who has done this very well. But most of all, he's just writing well. He's a popular writer. I don't know if his literature will stand the test of 500 years where it becomes a classic. Uh, Probably not. But it's still very good work. And so as I was reading this stuff, I thought, oh my goodness, maybe I need to write him and say, you owe me. (laughs) Okay, you owe <laughs> Which me. I wouldn't do. <laughs> why, why does he owe you? Because I prayed that these Christian okay. voices would be published and manifested okay. in the literary fields. But there was another writer, Anne Lamott, who is an absolutely delightful voice. I mean, she's... You don't personally know these people. I don't know of, any mm-hmm. of these people, and they don't know me. Mm-hmm. She has a voice that is extraordinarily unique. In one of her first books, she did write about her conversion experience. And she because she was not used or using the evangelical parlance it mm-hmm. was refreshing and delightful and many, many, I mean, it's, it's a best-selling book. Many, many people have read Anne Lamott's book about her conversion experience. So it was just the opposite. It wasn't propaganda. It wasn't a message book. I'm going to tell you this because I want to get you saved. It was her story. It was mm-hmm. her memoir. And so as I was reading those books and thinking about them, I thought, oh, maybe God has answered not just my prayers, but the prayers of us who were concerned about a Christian voice in modern literature being written in the right kind of way, that we are seeing many of those voices now coming forth. And that's very exciting to me. I hope my long prayers, that's the topic of this, the things I'm learning about prayer and aging, learning to be content with long prayers that take decades to pray, and you pray them faithfully, and you don't know whether you're going to see an answer to them. And that's okay. It's in God's hands. You're simply being obedient.
0: Well. That's very fascinating. <laughs> to listen to you. And it's saying again, as we age we should become more mature uh-huh. in terms of the way we pray. Uh-huh. I have found still thinking about what you said, I have found that I am becoming more attuned to the Lord's voice uh-huh. in times other than just when I've set aside those minutes or sometimes they're hours to pray. Uh-huh give an example. In fact, this is something that I talked about in a previous podcast. Watching the news, uh-huh. there were 10, I, at the time we first talked about it, I thought there were 7, I found out there were 10 Republicans, uh-huh. a part of the House of Representatives, uh-huh. who voted to impeach President Trump.
1: Let me make a little addendum here. You're not proponing that they should have voted to impeach. It, had nothing to do it has nothing to with do, do with the
0: politics. But
1: what you are looking at is people who had the courage of their conviction to go against the way the whole other I was trying to rank and f- file in that place were going. So, I mean, looking at it is an extraordinary example of following your own deepest meaning or conscience in that environment. It wasn't
0: even that, Karen. Okay. It was beyond that. Okay, okay. Uh, It was neither Republican or Democrat. It was these people received death threats because of voting their convictions. They voted their convictions. Even then, I I wouldn't have probably prayed for them. Uh But when I heard that not only were they threatened Uh by people, we don't know who they were. Uh Better look out Uh because we know where you live and where your children are. I mean, those are horrendous Sometimes their phone numbers and
1: addresses are given out over the Internet.
0: Yeah. at that point, it was kind of like the Lord said, Christians should pray for them. Mm. It doesn't thought,
1: matter what your politics no, are. No, uh, yeah. uh,
0: totally apart from
1: that. Uh, totally apart, yeah. But
0: then then I thought, well, who's going to do that?
1: Did you feel the finger pointing <laughs> at you, the writing on the wall? <laughs> oh, or to the crux of it. <laughs> David, you're
0: a guy who ought to do that. You're far enough along in your prayer life.
1: You could do that. Well, and you let me just also mention that you do spend hours every day in intercessory prayer. I'm always prayer.
0: uncomfortable when you say those things. But yes, but this was not while I was in a, quote, formal Prayer time. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. watching television, mm-hmm. and that nudging that you're talking about became more regular. Mm-hmm. When are you going to start praying for Incessant these people? Insistent. Yeah, it? insistent is good. That's <laughs> just this needling. I call it the prunes. divine nag. So I said, "Okay, Lord, if nobody else does, I will." Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there were other people who were wrestling with this, even mm-hmm. as I was. I found out who these people were, and, and I wrote a letter to each of them two-sentence letter.
1: And let me do a little addendum here. We had run out of official stationery and no one had been on top of it. So your letter went without any kind it's of plain white paper. <laughs> no and I, didn't have,
0: I didn't have business envelopes that matched. So the letter had to be folded in a different way to get in little envelopes, which didn't then fit the machine so we could print out those things. So I had to write in my head. I felt very tacky <laughs> about it all. But then I thought that really doesn't matter. What I just want these people to know is that somebody is praying for them. And this is what I wrote, Dear Representative, and then the name, I am an 84-year-old recovering workaholic who has found both meaning and ministry in extended daily times of intercessory prayer. Hearing the news about death threats on your life and those in your family, I have felt prompted to pray daily for the protection of you and your loved ones. Stay strong. And I signed it, uh, Reverend Dr. David Armain. So I was committed. I I put my words on paper. I sent those letters off. And then as I started to pray, and I I, this sounds probably dumb, but every time I do pray in a sincere way for someone, I I mark it down. Uh I had a fellow the other day. He said, you know, do you still pray for me? Because he had asked me to pray months before. And I I could show him I didn't because... It was kind of a fast thing where we saw each other. But I know that I have prayed for these 10 Congress Republicans. Congress people. <laughs> I should say Congress people. Right? Yeah. yeah. Eight times. Okay. Which Each is, one eight times. Which is no big deal. But as I've started to pray for them, I thought, you know I don't know a whole lot about these people.
1: You don't even know their names.
0: I had no idea or where who, they, who were they were from. Couple of them.
1: What part of the com- country they were representing?
0: Yeah, there was one from Illinois, and mm-hmm. I, I had no idea. In fact, I kind of mentally put him in the wrong part of the state. But I looked all these people up on the internet, and now I know a whole lot more about it. They are incredible people.
1: Oh, honey, Not that's because so they're wonderful. Republicans.
0: I, I thought to myself, there are so many people who are a part of the. House of Representatives, a hundred senators, but a lot of them are absolutely incredible people, Mm -hmm. and now I've learned more about them. And that has been very interesting. Uh, one, one of these individuals, two generations back, the people came from Cuba. His fleeing. family came yeah. from
1: Cuba, fleeing from Castro. Now, this
0: guy, he's gone through college. He played football. Ohio State, which, I mean, that's one of the top teams in the country. And then he was in the initial first round of the draft picks. By the pros, he played tight end, which is a tough position, in the pros three years. Then he went on to get further degrees. And now he's this representative. I mean, that's, well, that's, that's really something. Yeah. So
1: did you do the same research on every, every Oh, what many, the, my goodness.
0: I, well, it wasn't that big a deal. I know, I mean, but you know, you're
1: praying about people you know something about now. It's, it's not a, just a name on a page. You have a really feeling a for difference. them. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah.
0: You find out they have children. You see pictures of yeah. them and so on. And I probably will never hear from any of them. Mm-hmm. I, I may get to send this guy the form letter. You yeah. know, I, I have no idea. And it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter. Right. But these are people who I feel I have an obligation. I should say I have a divine obligation Mm -hmm. because the Lord said, pray for them, which in my mind says those were death threats. Mm -hmm. Those were things where there is a battle going on Mm -hmm. in the heavenlies. I will probably pray for them until such time as I get a release. And uh, every day I bring their cause Mm -hmm. to the Lord and say, you know, Lord, you, you have angels. I've never seen an angel, but I believe in them. Uh You believed in them, Uh Jesus. So you need those protective angels Uh to thwart any thoughts. I have an idea.
1: It might be good after, I don't know how long you feel like you might even do this, but it would be long after a certain amount of time just to send a little postcard and says, I wrote and said that I was urged to pray for you. I want you to know you have been prayed for. A reminder that that's happened.
0: Maybe. Because I
1: think a lot of times people say, Christians often do, well, I'll pray for you, and then they don't. They forget about it, or maybe it's one or two brief prayers, or even a little bit longer than that. But for the long haul, David, I think that's very unusual. So...
0: If something were to happen to... Mm-hmm. You, any of these individuals, or family members, Uh I would be devastated. Uh And I didn't even know who they were. Uh There's a bond there Uh that is taking place. So
1: this is part of our topic of as we age, you should be maturing in your prayer life. That's right. You ready with
0: another one? Are you going to talk about your nighttime prayers? (laughs) I mean, that's something I know. You don't know much about praying for politicians. (laughs) I don't know much about you're praying well, in the middle of the night huh? I,
1: I generally get to bed if I can By 9 or 9.30 Because I'm really tired by then I'm on an early riser But between 12.30 and two. every single night there's a wakeful period. I rarely sleep through. And so you can lie there and toss and turn. And I have a lot of little exercises I use to try and get back to sleep, deep breathing and you know, Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. A word that will come to me and I will repeat it over and over as sort of a mantra. But I've realized that this is a gift recently, that this is a gift. And this is a time for me to listen to the Lord that nudge that you talk about, and see if there are things he's wanting to whisper to my heart, What's well, quiet, and I have rested. I've slept three or four, maybe five hours, and I can hear better. Or it's a time to really begin to intercede. Now, one of the things I've self-corrected on that I was better at more the beginning of my life, was more of a habit, was when I went to prayer, I would start with praise. And that kind of fell by the wayside. So in the middle of the night, I'm being reminded to go into a time of praise. And that's been really beautiful. I, I was praising the Lord a couple of nights ago that he's triune. Well, this is a theological concept, but it is who God is. It's way beyond our minds to even comprehend. I mean, we get the words down and maybe a little bit of the meaning in our hearts. But I did spend a long time praying and and thanking him that he's a triune God and, you know, that he manifested his his godliness on earth in the human form of Jesus Christ. And it was a form that came to suffer and die for. I mean, you go on with that and Mm -hmm. then the meaning begins to just enfold you and capture you and you stay there kind of of stunned because you've thought maybe those thoughts during the day and maybe in a prayer time, but at night when you're alone and nothing is going on and the room is dark for the most part, it takes on a different kind of format and it's not so formulaic. So as I age, that has been in this last year, these last months, one of the things I've done with that wakeful period in the middle of the night is just to make it more a time of prayer. And, and then I'm also trying to memorize Scripture, passages of
0: Scripture. Yeah, I've noticed this good for you, yes.
1: And then so I'll, I'll go over that in the middle of the night and say, okay, did I get that down? Or, oh, Fiddle, what is that second verse <laughs> I still don't so. But that's how he's that's been how he's been spending that time.
0: Yeah, that's neat. That's neat. I don't know. You know, I'm going to give you my sentence again, and I don't know if I can say Scripture teaches this, but I'm going to try to defend it as a sentence anyway. As we age, our prayer lives should mature. Uh-huh. They should get better. They should ripen. I can't quote a verse for that, but I would like to give an illustration. Okay, this is Daniel. Daniel is an old man when this happens. He's lived an illustrious life. He's a guy who knows how to pray. In the first year of Darius, or Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. Now he's beginning to say, wow, we're coming to the end of those 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth and ashes. I'm no good at fasting. That is a confession, and it's an area where... I want to learn more, but I haven't. Uh I know absolutely nothing, Karen, about sackcloth and ashes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sort of like the rest of evangelicalism. Some of them may, but not many of us. (laughs) Yes,
0: but but it's this extreme contrition, Uh and it's not about himself, it's about his people. Uh I'm just going to read now, there are a number of paragraphs, and I'm just going to read the first sentence in each one of them. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands, we have sinned and done wrong. Next paragraph, first sentence, Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The men of Judah and the people of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, and all the countries where you've scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. So this you did, is like a prayer of lament, isn't
1: it? It's yeah, beautiful, and it's a isn't prayer, it? Prayer, into the corporateness of the situation. The, the situation. the yeah.
0: people, yes. Next first sentence of the paragraph, therefore the curses sworn, judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. Mm-hmm. Just the first sentence again in the next paragraph. Now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Now, O God, first sentence again, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. Then this next paragraph, and this just almost brings me to tears. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and Uh making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill. He's talking about Jerusalem, Uh the holy hill. In fact, he's way, way far away in Babylon, but he's praying for where they belong. While I was still in prayer... Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in a swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, an answer was given, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Mm. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision, and then it goes on as he gives that's one of these great prophecies. Yeah, it's just here it is this old man. You are highly esteemed, and he sends an angel.
1: Yeah, a powerful angel. Yeah, supernatural talk. being. Wow, yeah, that's so, gorgeous. Yeah, David. One of the things that we need to understand those are looking toward the aging process. You know, it's not they're not there yet. Brain science shows a lot of things that are advantageous about aging. Just this little paragraph from the book, This Chair Rocks, A Manifesto Against Ageism, (laughs) by Ashton Applewhite. She writes, especially in the emotional realm, older brains are more resilient. Hmm. As we turn 80, brain imaging shows frontal lobe changes that improve our ability to deal with negative emotions like anger, fear, and and improve our ability improve, to deal with uh, yeah. those, okay? Mm-hmm. Olders experience less social anxiety and fewer social phobias. Even as its discrete processing skills degrade, those are processing skills, the normal aging brain enables greater emotional maturity, adaptability to change, and levels of well-being. These are the neurological underpinnings of what she calls the happiness curve, that, that older people are often more happy than they were in their younger years. But I think that we can impose upon that the spiritual meaning that the spiritual life has the possibility as we age and we're talking particularly about prayer today to become richer, bowler, more replete with those moments, those God moments where we really say, oh, God must be in this place, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I think those are the things that we need to look forward to and open ourselves up to, to avail that sort of spiritual experience in our mm-hmm. lives, to expect that it will be rich and deep. Mm-hmm. And, and those supernatural incidences, you know, we can't describe them, we can't prove them, will occur more and more. And we should just expect that it's going to happen.
0: Well, that's pretty neat. I didn't get through just maybe the beginning of my list. <laughs> Did you have more things on your list? <laughs> We've run out of time. I'm going to give you a quote from Scripture, and I want you to tell me whether you know who said this. Mm-hmm. And i Bet you won't get it right.
1: I probably won't, you rascal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Only a few years will pass before I go on the journey of no return.
1: Oh, wow. Wow, that is pregnant with me. Read it again.
0: You're stalling for time.
1: I am. Go ahead. No, I think it's extraordinary. Because we're at this point. I mean, this podcast is called Before We Go.
0: Yes. Only a few years will pass before I go on the journey of no return.
1: Hmm. Who was
0: it? It's Job. Oh,
1: Job! Oh my God! It's such a tough life, and uh-huh. and
0: he had many years. Yeah. Actually, he didn't know. that yeah. he had a lot of years, and everything would be restored to him in mm-hmm. God's providence. Only a few years will pass before I go on the journey of no return. Uh, that's in his terrible, terrible days mm-hmm. of uh, suffering mm-hmm. in so many and ways. Loss.
1: Yes, extraordinary loss. Yeah.
0: I don't know how many years you have or I have but we will go on the journey of no return
1: and yeah. we know that it's coming sooner and sooner that's yeah, one of the I, really that's one of the gifts of old age it heightens what you do or why the way you mm-hmm. think about how you want to invest it what you, you have remaining of your focus. life it gives you focus it gives you focus right
0: yeah my dad my dear dad He died when he was 91. Mm -hmm. I haven't reached that. If I do or not, Mm -hmm. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. You know, your folks died when they were...
1: They were both 69 years of age. I mean, I've outlived both of them.
0: Yeah. So when that will come, we don't know, but it will come. But it it causes you to kind of slow down and say, I want to make these years count. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to do that on my own. I Mm -hmm. want to do it with you, Lord. Mm -hmm. I want to walk as close to you as I possibly can.
1: You know, David, I don't think that is a thought that is exclusively for elders, or as this woman says in her book, the olders. Mm -hmm. I think it's a thought that every stage of life should think, because we have no guarantees. Right we have no guarantees that we the next day will be given to us. And so perhaps we can learn it more from the eldership around us because it's it's more imminent, that mm-hmm. last day is more imminent for them. But it is one that heightens all of our living. And we should be able to say, I want to look back on this decade and say, I lived it well, or I want to look back in the last 20 years and say, I did what God asked me to do. That is a reality that we can learn from those who are facing it more imminently, like you and like I are, are doing mm-hmm. now.
0: Before we go. I like that. It kind of fits Job's words. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Only a few years will pass before I go on the journey of no return. You've been listening to the Before We Go podcast. And if you would like to write to us, please send us an email at the following address, hosts at beforewego.show That's all lowercase letters, hosts at beforewego.show. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please remember to rate, review, and share on whatever platform you listen. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Mainstay Ministries, Post Office Box 30, Wheaton, Illinois, 60187.